Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Good morning, everybody. It is awesome to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Week two and the next right thing. We kicked off last weekend talking about the worst reputation that the church in the United States and all over the world has ever earned for itself, and that is that of being judgmental. And what Jesus specifically spoke to this issue, like how to deal with it, how to deal with it correctly. And this whole series, we're working our way through Matthew chapter 7, right at the tail end of one of Jesus' most famous sermons of all time, the Sermon on the Mount, where he is dealing with some of the deepest human condition situations, some of the deepest spiritual issues that we'll ever face as human beings. And um, last week, as we kind of ended this time, we kind of talked about, here's how you do it. Here's how you deal with and keep from condemnation being the thing that's communicated. We got to deal with, uh, before we deal with the speck of sin or wrongdoing in someone else's life, we got to deal with the log, the plank, and our own eye. We talked about how to do that last week, but I know the follow-up question that some of you may have is, okay, well, what if you do it right you do it the way jesus said to do it you sit down with the person and they're like no thank you what if they refuse what if they're unreceptive what if they say i don't want to hear this i don't want to have this conversation no 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 i don't want it so what what do you do next what is in that situation the next right thing Jesus, uh, he tackles this in the very next verse, in verse 6. Let's take a look at this together, because some of you may have been there. You were there that, this week. Maybe you went out and applied this, or you've been thinking about applying it, or you have applied it in some time in the past, and it just didn't go great. And you're like, I feel like my heart was right, but what happened? Jesus gives us specific instructions on how to proceed. Here's what he says. And if you would, let's read the highlighted words together. Do not give dogs what is sacred do not he's telling us what not to do right throw your pearls to the pigs wow that's harsh language jesus if you do they may trample them under feet and turn and tear you to pieces okay jesus is saying there's going to be times where you're going to have to make a discernment call we talked about that last week you're going to have to discern the situation read the room what's going on And if they are resistant, they are not open to truth. Don't take the treasure of God's truth, the pearls of his wisdom, and just cast it before people who, they're not dumb people, they're not stupid, right? They're not stupid people, but maybe spiritually they're just not in a time of receptivity. They're not in a place where they're wanting the wisdom of God. So in that regard to kind of use an Old Testament idea, they're like a brute beast before God. They're like a dog. They're like a pig. They just, that's about how spiritually perceptive they are. And you have to read that and just say, it's not the time. It's not the time right now. It doesn't mean you stop loving them. It's it's not that you stop uh, uh, trying to talk to them in the future. But right now, for whatever reason, they're just not in the right space to hear this just yet. But it doesn't mean they never will. So you, you will look for opportunities down the road. This is Jesus' straight-up 
specific instruction to us just to say, take the pressure off your back. It is not up to you to ram it down their throat, keep trying to sell it to them over and over and over and over. Just wait and look for the opportunity. Keep praying, look for the opportunity, okay? So the next question I want us to ask is, and this may pertain to every single person here, what do you do, what is the next right thing, in other words, what do you do when you need your circumstances to change, your current circumstances, relationally, financially, with your career, with your family, with your spiritual life, some area, I bet everybody here has some area of your life where you're like, circumstances aren't optimal right now. Like, they could be better. Like, it's not great. You want somebody maybe in your life, you've been waiting, waiting, waiting for them to commit, right? to commit at work, to commit spiritually, to commit in a relationship, or maybe you need something else in a relationship. What do you do, right? You, and you're like waiting, wait, like I don't know what to do next here. Or maybe you're a student, you're a high school student, college student, uh, you're a young adult, and you feel like mom and dad have kind of have some tight reins on you, and you would like a little more freedom. What do you do? What's the next right thing? Or maybe you're a parent, and you're like, you really need more kind of adulting out of your kids. You need them to step up in responsibility. What do you do? What's that next thing that needs to happen? How do you approach that? Maybe you're at work, you need a raise, you want a promotion, you feel like you're ready, you feel like you've been waiting, 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 and overlooked. What do you do? An opportunity, you're waiting for an opportunity. What's that next right thing that you need to do? So let's, let's talk about this because Jesus, this is the next thing that he seems to go after. <clears throat> now, before we dive into this passage, let me give you a little preview or a little setup, okay? So Jesus here, all the way up to this point, Matthew chapter seven, verses one through six, he's been talking about human relationships, what we would call horizontal. These are, these are people we share the planet with, right? He's, he's, he's helping us with some of the most complex, difficult difficult to navigate landmines land are all over the place that can blow up on you you got to be careful he's, he's going to start we, so we have to start with the context of the verse this is the context that we've had all the way up to this point so we first are going to take what he has to say and we're going to apply it to human relationships horizontal relationships but he'll make it abundantly clear it doesn't just apply to horizontal but also to vertical to God himself, that we need to apply it. So I'm setting you up so that we're gonna first talk about people, then God, as we take a look at this, okay? So here's what he says. This is verse seven in chapter seven, starting, and he says, and um, let me just say, maybe you have heard this passage before as uh, I want you to ask and you will receive. I want you to seek and you will find. I want you to knock and the door will be open, Okay? But this verb, in all three cases, the ask, seek, knock verbs are what we would call the present imperative case in the original New Testament Greek. Um, so this is why I selected the New Living Translation because it does that work for us. It went ahead and put it in the keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking context that was implied in the original language. So let's take a look at this together because this is the way in which Jesus' followers, his, his audience would have received what he's teaching right here. He, and if you would, let's read the highlighted words together. Why? Because it's fun. Okay, it's fun. <laughs> keep on and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking. Right? And you will find. Keep on 
right and the door will be open to you for everyone he's like this is this applies to everybody everyone who asks receives everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks the door will be all right that's right so the first thing that jesus is here talking about as i said let's apply it to our relationships the people around us okay so jesus is is kind of juxtaposing he's comparing these two different approaches that we do when we want our circumstances to change we typically this is kind of in our culture in our world we look around us at people that are standing in our way we, we, we look at even though the Bible says that we war not against flesh and blood we think no we're warring against flesh and blood we're, it's really all about people if I get the people to obey follow the rules do what I want then I could get what I want okay and Jesus is trying to help us to say he's comparing two ways of motivating people to, to do what we want them to do so that we can change the circumstance to a more conducive circumstance that we want, that what we desire, that's going to be best for us. When nobody has to teach us to be self-centered in terms of what we want. We have to fight against that at times. But he's helping us to see there's two different approaches. The first one, going all the way back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, he's saying, he's teaching us to basically apply the golden rule to judging. Judge unto others as you would have others judge unto you, right? So he's saying, first and foremost, number one, this is the way of the world. This is the way of our culture. You, and just see if this isn't true in business, in sports, in politics, for sure, it's going like this. If you want to try to manipulate the situation, here's what you do. It's judgment. It's force. It's controlling people by manipulation and deceit, by exposing their faults and hiding, concealing your own. Isn't it true that if you want to win in this world, here's what we're taught. You need to find what is the weakness of your opponent, what is their weakness? Watch the tapes over and over. Study them. Study. Find out where. And then once you find it, exploit it. Talk about it. Make a big deal out of it. But then conceal your own weaknesses, right? And then you can manipulate the situation and the person or the organization or the, the segment of society, whatever you want to do, to do what you want, that's the way the world works. And Jesus is saying, that may be the kingdom of this world, but it is not the kingdom that you belong to. It is not the kingdom of heaven. It's not the kingdom of God. This is not the way I want you to respond. When you see a situation, a circumstance that you would like to change in your life, I don't want you to start manipulating, attacking, or withdrawing, using all of these tactical type things, and really it's just a judgment on other people. It's sizing them up so that you can use them how you want to. He says, stop doing that. Instead, and you're gonna just be able to take a big breath of fresh air. In the kingdom of heaven, here's what you do. You simply ask. What? Could it be that simple? Jesus said it was. He says, I want you just to go to that person humbly, honestly, and ask for what you want. Now, what's implied in this idea is that you have to treat the other person with dignity. You have to treat the other person as an equal because you're, you're putting yourself at their mercy. You're asking them to cooperate and do something for you so that you can 
do what you want or do what you, and it might be in their best interest too, but it, it, is, it, is, it is being willing to surrender yourself to that process. It is not looking down on someone else. It's not judging them. It's not condemnation. It forces us to humble ourselves, as I said. And this is a powerful departation from the world's approach to how you take a circumstance and move it in the direction that you want. Jesus is saying, simply ask. In James, the half-brother of Jesus, chapter four, verse two, he says, you have not because you ask not. There, there's a power in asking. Ask God to, to bless this process, but ask. I remember, this has been years ago, I remember reading a book about just the power of trusting God with circumstances, don't try to manipulate them, and just ask for a situation to work out, okay? And I remember, this may seem kind of silly, but it was Leslie and my wife and I's anniversary. We were at a hotel. She was kind of standing over in the lobby. I was up at the desk, and I said, I'm gonna give it a shot. So the person behind the counter, I said, look, uh, it's my anniversary. There's my wife right over there. She doesn't know I'm gonna do this, but is there any way that you could give us a free upgrade? I'm cheap, I know. Um, <laughs> there way you could give us a free upgrade. And they're like, hang on just a second. Check something like, I'm about to hook you up, all right? They gave us this unbelievable presidential suite that was bigger than our first probably two apartments. It was crazy fun, and it was such a cool memory, and it was simply just to ask. They could perfectly well say no, right? They could turn me down, and I was prepared for that to actually be the case. But they said yes. I think Jesus is saying, listen, don't underestimate the power of praying and just asking, and there's powerful things that could happen. It's just, it requires us to submit ourselves to a situation of God working in the situation. You see, Jesus shows us that this applies not only to people, but it also applies to God as well. And we're talking about back at a time when people, when they would talk to their gods, their idols, it was, it was all about manipulation. It was trying to get the gods to do good things for you. So you would have to, you know, Sacrifice, you had to bleed, you had to do all kinds of things, manipulate and attempt all these kinds of things to try to get the gods to do something right for you. And Jesus is teaching us that's not the way your heavenly father works. He actually already loves you and wants to do good for you. But you see, you've got to persist in prayer. It's not something that's just a snap of your fingers, one-time prayer. And this happens way too much where people will give a single or a short period of time half-hearted prayer to God and they don't get what they want so they assume either God doesn't care or he's not there. There must not be a God. So I, you know, I asked one afternoon and he didn't give it to me. I'm like, God, I'll even give you to the end of the day. But uh, you, gotta, you gotta show up, you gotta do. But what implied in that kind of a circumstance is that we're assuming that what we're asking for is the highest and best thing. We're assuming that we already know all the facts and all of the ways in which this thing's gonna play out, so we know what's best, and we don't really need God to influence the outcome of the, we're not trusting God for anything, we're really just asking him to be our cosmic Santa Claus to show up and give us what we want, and we miss out on what's, God really wants to do with it. Something much bigger, more beautiful. We gotta trust him. Jesus is saying, hearing from God takes three things. It takes focus, it takes faith, it takes follow through. Man, and as a pastor, I love those alliterations like that. Faith, 
focus and follow through. That's what it takes. We got to get back to that, that that's what we got to do. And some of you may be on the cusp of giving up on something that you've been praying for. And Jesus promises if you will not give up and you will keep going, God will honor, he will bless your persistence. He gives us actually two different parables where Jesus gives a parable specifically about what we're to do when it comes to prayer, okay? And it's interesting that in the Gospel of Luke, he actually gives us a little narration, a little setup for one of the parables. This is a parable that we've come to know as the parable of the persistent widow. But he tells us this in in chapter 18, verse 1 of Luke. He says, and then Jesus told a parable to show them that they should, let's say it together, they should always pray and not give up, all right? To always pray and not give up to Jesus. He's like, this is how we continue to show our trust, our faith in God. He tells another parable. It's actually just a few chapters before this in Luke chapter 11. For those of you who'd like to jot this down, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verses 5 through 13, a whole nother parable where he's teaching exactly the same thing. But it's powerful that Jesus would pick two parables. Like he's really reiterating, this is important. And I would give you kind of a little triad. When it comes to prayer, keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Keep it simple. Jesus tells us that unless you're willing to come like a little child, you don't get to come. He's not asking you to use big, complex theological words when you talk to him. He's not impressed by that. He wants you to use real words. And that's number two. He wants us to keep it real. Jesus was always keeping it real when he would pray, even right down to the cross. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says this publicly in front of everybody. It's really where he was in that moment. He was real. He always was. And number three, to keep it up, to always pray and not give up. It's so powerful. And what Jesus is showing us is that you can trust God, and he's going to show us a para- he's going to show us an analogy, probably the most powerful, like protective analogies on planet Earth, and that is the parent-child analogy. He's going to pick something everybody can relate with. He tells us in verse nine, he says, he starts off, "You parents, OK? You parents." Now, how many parents do we have in the room? Grandparents? Aunts, uncles, way over half, okay? All of you can relate to this. You, you know a little person somewhere that you love, you care about, that you pray for, many of you. You, you really want the best for he or she, right? right? And, and, and so he's, he's, he's helping us to see that love, that care, that protective instinct in us is not from nowhere. It comes from our image of God that has been imprinted on our soul. It is the, the imago day of God on us. He's going, just you have this because your heavenly father has this for you. He says this, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone? Here, chew on this rock. Who would do that, right? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake, a viper, something that is venomous, something that is bad for them, something dangerous? Well, of course, every parent here would want to say, let's look at the next part of the verse, of course not. Nobody would want to do, nobody would do that. 
And if you did, you would definitely not be in the category of a good parent, not wise, not loving, not kind, right? So if you, sinful people, broken, fallen, faulty, me, you, all of us, and cursed by sin, know how to give, let's say it together, give what? Good gifts. You know how to bless your kids, right? To your children. You know how to give good gifts to your children. There is an innate impulse in you and I to do what's in the best interest of your kids, even though we are flawed, we're broken, we're sinful, right? He's playing off of this, and he's saying, how much more? Let's say that together one more time. How much more? He's, he's doing a comparison of the lesser to the greater. If we know how to give good gifts, and we're made in his image, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more can you trust him to always act in your best interest? How much more, when it's taken way longer than you thought, can you trust his timing over your preference? How much more? You say, you see, the, this child in this scenario, they're asking for bread and fish, something that is good and necessary for them. Now, would you try to deceive them? Of course not, he's saying. No, nobody would do that. But what if they ask for not, a, not bread or fish, but they did ask for something inadvertently, like they didn't know it, but they, were, they thought it was good, but it actually was a <laughs> viper. And they didn't see it. They didn't know. They'd never seen a viper before. They didn't know what that viper was. All they think is, this is enticing. This is cool. This is what everybody's doing, right? And, and, and they're asking for this, and they want, and you know, because you're older, you have played that movie, you've seen it play out, you know what's coming, you already have wisdom and experience that they do not currently have, and you see the detriment it could bring to their life. Would you be a wise parent to give it to them anyway? Even if they're crying, even if they're saying, oh my gosh, this will be a bonding experience. You and I could do this together. You'll be the best mama, best daddy. I'll, I'll brag to you on social media. Everybody will know how awesome you are, <laughs> right? I will go on and on. Like, they're good salespeople, right? Our kids can be. They will, they will whew, they'll make it where it's almost impossible to say no sometimes. But for you to say yes, you know better. It's to their detriment, right? Let me ask you this. Have your kids ever done, ever asked for something that you knew was no good for them, right? You remember the old uh, Christmas story movie? They wanted a Red Ryder BB gun. Remember that? Kids, you'll shoot your eye out, they told them at Santa Claus, right? And, I, and we, we, we laugh at that, but that happens all the time. And, and our kids are going to say, hey, mom, dad, it's cool because everybody else is kind of doing this, but we're going to go spend the night so-and-so's house or over here, or we're going to go do this, and you're immediately, there's red flags going off. You're like, no, 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 no. You, no. Nothing good is going to happen at that sleepover or whatever you call it. That's not good. I want to go hang out with so-and-so. You know that is not good influences. You know wherever those kids are, whoever those people are, wherever they're going, you do not want your kid dragged down that road, do you? And the wisdom and the love that God has put in your heart as a parent would say absolutely 
not. Now, I want to ask you a question that you may, like, no, that doesn't apply to me. Have you ever had your kids go around you? I know that doesn't happen to you or me, but I mean, there's probably some people out on the internet that's going to watch this, it's going to apply to, okay? I am joking right now, right? We've all had that happen. They, I already know what you're going to say, so I'm not even going to ask. Or I did ask, and I didn't get the answer I wanted, so I'm going to sneak out. I'm going to do what I want to do. You ever had that happen? Sometimes we do the same thing to God. He says no, and we sneak out anyway, don't we? We ask for snakes, not even realizing. We don't even realize what we're asking for. And he says no, but we do it anyway. Or we don't ask at all. And let me tell you, this has been a statement that has something Leslie and I go back to often, share with our girls, we've used it in our own life. Don't ever forfeit God's best for what you want in the moment. How many people have wrecked their lives because they violated that principle? Don't. God's best is almost always going to require you to wait, to be patient Something good is happening. You've got to trust his timing. You've got to be willing to keep praying, keep on praying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And he promises in time, in his time, it will come to pass, and it will be on his terms, and it will be for your good and for his glory. This is when Jesus is showing us you must trust your heavenly father. He knows what is best you remember the old Garth Brooks song? Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Oh my gosh. I, I was going to try to sing that for you guys this morning. It did not go well in the rehearsal. So, sometimes I thank God. No, no, okay. But it's so true, isn't it? We've all had those moments where we look back and say, God, thank you for not giving me what I thought in the moment I really wanted. It would have been the worst outcome as we seek to know God. And that's really what this idea of asking, seeking, knocking. Keep on asking, seeking, knocking. It is coming to know God better. And as we come to know God better, we get more intimate with him, we will more and more begin to pray in alignment with the heart of God. And here's what I've noticed in my own life, I've heard it from other Christians who've been walking with God. The longer you follow God, the more your heart longs for him and is, is, is on fire for him you will begin to pray more and more in the will of God you will want what he wants because you're coming to seek and know him better and better so as we seek to know God better we will understand and ask for what is actually good as God defines it what is in the best interest of you and the other people around you and God will grant it you will come to see God is Man, he's answering my prayers a lot more. Guess what? You're starting to ask for things that actually are in the will of God now. That makes all the difference. I have seen that radical shift in my own life. I can be so bold and honest, even as a pastor. It's sometimes I, I tend to influence, I, wanna, I have the way I want it to turn out. But really saying, God, help my heart to have no will of its own. I really do want your will, whatever that is. Even if it's something that I don't even have the courage to pray for right now. It's, it's like scary for me to think about not getting what I want. But Jesus assures us that God will reward that kind of perseverance. But 
But, and this is where it happens a lot, but what if we circumvent his will? We sneak around God, right? We can't then blame him for the results, but people do this all the time. God, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, but you didn't do what he said. You went ahead and did it anyway, and then we shake our fists saying, God, how could you let this happen to me? How could you let this happen to me? And God would look at us and say, this is not what I chose for you. I love you. This is not the path. People do this all the time. Jesus is showing us that in the same way that we are not to manipulate people to get the outcome that we want, we don't need to manipulate God to get the outcome we want. We don't have to somehow cajole God. We have, he's not stingy and greedy and selfish over there. We have to like do certain things and jump through certain hoops in order to get God to do something good for us. This is the way the world of idolatry works. This is the way the idol of success, let's say, that's still with us down to this day. It will say, I, I'll demand more and more and more and more of you, and it is relentless, and it will never give up, and it will never let you feel free. God's not like that. Jesus is showing us. He already wants to bless you. He is already a loving father. And he wants to bless you to be a blessing. He's, he wants to draw you close, help you to see what is right so that you could shine forth in a world that desperately needs to see God. In this very next verse, verse 12, Jesus gives us what arguably might be one of the more popular verses in all of the Bible. We have come to call it the golden rule. Okay, let's take a look at it together. Do to others, let's say it together, do to others, whatever. Man, he opened that up, didn't he? That's as broad as it can be. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Whatever you'd like done to you, I want you to do that to others. This is the, let's say here, this is the essence of all that is taught in the old, uh, pardon me, in the law and the prophets. In other words, Jesus is saying this is sort of a sum total of the Old Testament. And the other place where Jesus says the same sentiment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, first commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Can you see that love your neighbor and yourself? That is mirrored inside of this, right? It is this idea that God wants his kindness, his mercy, his love, his grace to shine through you and through me to the people around us. That, that, that he wants to use us to show other people that they matter to God even if God doesn't matter to them at all. That God loves them even if they don't even have capacity right now to love him back. He wants us to love. And loving other people like this, ladies and gentlemen, does not mean we approve of all their lifestyle choices. You can do both. You can love people and not accept every single decision that they make. Right? That actually is what a parent is all about, right? Right? You don't love every decision your kids make, but you love them. This is the way your heavenly father loves you. And he's saying, and I want you to mirror that. I want you to reflect that back out to those around you. And other religions, which is really interesting about the golden rule, and all other religions, we're talking about Confucianism, Stoicism, Hindu, Buddhism, even the Jewish Torah. This golden rule is actually stated in the reverse. Do not do to others what you do not want done to you, right? Which is really interesting if you think about it. I was scratching my head this week and I was thinking, you, you could do that golden rule and not do one darn thing. 
as long as you don't go out and do somebody harm, you're doing it, right? Jesus' golden rule was radically different because it required engagement. You got to get out and do something. You have to serve people. You have to love them. And that's powerful. It's life-changing for us. What it does is it allows you, under God's leadership, to become, in some way, an answer to someone else's prayer. Really, the answer to our prayer could be us being an answer to someone else's prayer, of blessing them, helping them. It's powerful. He, his, his engagement is, is so much more real and life-changing and spiritually vivacious for us and Jesus has uh, given us a practical way to share his good news of mercy, uh, of the mercy of God with other people. And this is always the will of God, not that, but the uh, do unto others, whatever you have them do unto you. So let me ask you this, whatever benefits, whatever benefits us or gives us an advantage often is what guides our decision. So with that in mind, I want you to begin to think about, now let that be the guide for your decisions towards other people. It's, it's literally, it's like Jesus is getting us to ask, what would I want done for me? Now go and do that for other people. How would I like them to treat me? This rule should be constantly putting us in the shoes of other people, to be compassionate. I think it's uh, Colossians 3.12. It says, to clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, and patience. And it means towards other people. Like, this, this is the way I want. This is what it looks like to be led by, filled with the Spirit of God as my people walking in my kingdom on this planet. So powerful. It's amazing. Wish for them what we would wish for ourselves. And what is your wish for yourself? This is the next right thing. To think about that. If we really took that to heart, we treated others the way we would like to be treated, how would we treat them? We would never want people to be mean to us or to be disrespectful or um, violate our dignity or treat us condescendingly. So don't do that to other people. We would, we would always want people to be generous and kind to us, right? Not cruel, not mean. So be that to other people. Give with the benefit uh, of the doubt. Like, like, always assume the best about other people. Why? Because you would like the best assumed about you. And when you hear somebody gossip in your ear about somebody, don't just believe it. Check it out. Go talk to the person. Go find out what is the truth about this before I just carte blanche believe something, even if they post it on social media, okay? So important. Jesus is showing us this is the re next right thing to do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. So here's my final question. Who can you do something good for today? Has God put somebody on your heart right now? Maybe you have a, a, somebody's face comes to mind. Family member, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor. Somebody that is going through something really hard that you could be a blessing to. Like if that was you going through that, what would you like someone to do for you? Now offer that to them. It's just, it's simple, but it's so powerful if we really put it into practice. Just like God is to us, our loving Heavenly Father, so He is asking us to show that same kind of love 
to those around us. It's so powerful. Here's our prayer that I'm asking you to pray with me today. It's simply saying, Lord, I will keep on asking, seeking, and knocking. I trust you to provide good things even if they don't look, or even if they do look different from what I'm asking for. Use me to do good to others as I would like good done to me. Right now, I'd like you to, if you would, let's bow before our Heavenly Father and ask Him to speak to our hearts right now, all across this room. For some of us, we need to just re-up our commitment to say, God, I have just about given up on this person, on this situation, this circumstance, but I'm gonna keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. I'm gonna wait for your timing because I know that you reward your children when they trust you and your timing. Would you tell him that right now? Maybe for some of you right now, it is a timing thing. It is an issue in your life where you're like, God hasn't done this yet, but I am trusting. I am nailing down a stake right here. I am gonna trust you, God, that you are gonna come through and you're gonna do this. If that's you here today, would you just lift your hand? I'd love to pray for you. Anybody here, I've got something I've been praying for over and over and over. God bless you guys. All across the the floor, in the balcony. God, I pray for every person that says there's a situation, probably involves a person. It's hard. It's scary. Frustrating. I don't know how long this is going to last. But you can know without a doubt that you will not have to do it alone that even though we walk through the darkest valley we will fear no evil for you God Heavenly Father you are with us would you just let that comfort your heart right now he is right here with you he's not left you or forsaken you he loves you and he will give you the strength to make it through today he'll help you get up tomorrow he's going to help you get through this week he's going to take care of you He'll give you just what you need. You may lower your hands. But for those across this room right now, man, there's somebody in your life that God is asking you to love them with this golden rule, to do unto others whatever you would like done unto you. And it has been so hard because you're so frustrated. You feel like you're on such opposite pages from these kinds of people or from this particular person. And y'all have had bad words. There's been bad blood. There's been a lot of hurt in the past. But it is time today for you to say to God, God, help me to have the strength to rise up above all of that and to show them love anyway, just like you are willing to show me love anyway in spite of my sin and my rebellion would you just tell him yes right now? Would you just lift your hand? I'm telling God, yes, I'm willing to love somebody that is hard to love. You may lower your hands. And God, I pray right now, all across the room, right here, and those who are listening to this online, God, if you, you know right now that God is moving on your heart. You know there is a yearning, a longing in your heart to say, I want to know God. I want to be his child. And I have never nailed that down. I have never made that commitment. I certainly have never done it publicly. But right now, I want to ask you, if you can hear my voice, and you know this is the time, would you just say to him, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life. I am trusting that when you died on the cross, you were giving your life to pay the penalty for my sin. And when you resurrected from the dead, that conquered not only death and hell, but it conquered 
all of my sin and all of the consequences that should fall on me, it fell on you. I'm trusting you, Jesus, for the forgiveness of sin, and I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life. Would you just tell him that right now? Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive my sin, be the Lord of my life right here, right now, for the first time, nailing this down. If you just prayed that for the first time, heads bowed, eyes closed, I would love to pray for you right now. Would you just boldly, as an act of faith, maybe your first act of faith as a follower of Jesus, raise your hand up and say, Will, that's me right now. Would you boldly raise your hand and just say, I've just asked Christ to forgive my sin. God bless you, sir. I see you right here on the front row. Anybody else? God bless you back over here on the other wall. I see you, sir, right there. Praise God for you right up here in the balcony. I see you, buddy, right there. Praise the Lord for your life-changing decision today. Anybody else giving it all over to God? God bless you right back here by the sound booth. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Only you could transform lives. Only you could do this. Help us to never, ever forget that. We praise you for it. I pray, God, that we would leave here today changed, challenged. God, help us to take your word, put it into application, and God, let it flourish in our lives. And let us be the kind of people that your kingdom is seen. It shines forth over and over. And when we blow it, and we're going to, that we would quickly get on our knees and ask you to forgive, and that we would start afresh and new right then, right there. We pray it all in the powerful and amazing name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.